Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. Nice of you to be with us today here on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's uh, April 19th, 2020. I thought it was 20th for some reason. It's April 19th, and we've got a real good equity show for you today. We are the American Consortium for Equity in Education. I've got Atiani Howard here. And Atiani, you're going to tell me how, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly when I bring you in just a few minutes. Okay, Atiani is the senior, is the senior, the chief program officer at the New Teacher Center, which is newteachercenter.org. And she, uh, she, I'll read this to you. She is one of the principal authors of a, a position paper called The Elephant in the Classroom. Okay, that articulates a new shared purpose for education and paints a picture of what it would like if our systems were rooted in a vision that's centered on equity and humanity and justice and self-actualization for students and adults. And who can disagree with that? Okay, and they're based out in L.A. Thank you. It's 730 in the morning out there. So thank you, Atiani, right off the bat for doing that. And uh, we're going to have a nice conversation about how they're working with school districts, what their plans are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera at the new teacher center.org. We're going to archive the show over at the home website of our American consortium for equity and education. That's over at ace dash ed.org ace dash ed.org. You can go over there. Our magazine is over there, which is called equity and access. You'll see the cover. Just click on it. It's a really good issue. Well, they're all pretty good issues. They're all archived over there, but the new one is really excellent. All the podcasts are over there. Plus some other great information about equity and access to education for every single kid, pre-K-12, and also good information for teachers. We hope to make it easy for you guys to teach in the world of education right now. And by the way, everything we do over there is free, okay, at ace-ed.org. So we invite you to go over there and check it out. And now I'm going to bring on my new best friend in the whole wide world, Atiyani. I'm Larry Jacobs. (laughs) Call me Larry. And then how am I doing on your first name? Hi, Larry. Firstly, thanks Hi. so much for having us on and for your enthusiasm. It's uh, <laughs> infectious. I'm already smiling. Oh, thank um, you. And my Good. name. Good. Yeah, my, my name. You're doing really well. Um, and and even better is a peony, like a peony, a peony. Wow, I had my syllables all wrong. A peony. <laughs> name. Thank what you so much. Name. Where, where was it, where's that derived from? Where, how, where, where'd your parents African, come up with that? Yeah, it's an African name, and it yeah, it means first light and new dawn. Wow, Atiyani. I'm gonna have to practice that, okay? Because my original thought was Atiyani, but Atiyani. What a great name! I love it. Okay, thank, thank you. you for helping thank me you. with that. I appreciate it. So Atiyani, I'm gonna love saying that. Okay. <laughs> this is called the new, the new I am. And by the way, again, thanks. Are you in California? I am. Yeah. I'm all the way across the country from you in Maine. It's 1030 in the morning here, so I appreciate you doing this so early in the day. Thank you for doing that. Oh, my gosh. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having yeah. me on. Well, there, we're agreed on that one, okay? How long, tell me about the new teacher center. I, well, though, I was over on the website, but how long has it been around? What are your goals, et cetera? Then we'll get into the particulars of elephant in the classroom, et cetera. But just talk about the center in, in general. Wonderful. Yeah, the center is over 20 years old. In fact, it's going to be 25 oh. soon. And it was founded by
by our our wonderful founder, Ellen Moyer, uh, who retired about six years ago, I believe, at this point. Um, and since then, we have been working to carry on the mantle of the wonderful work that she began out of the University of California at Santa Cruz. And she was a teacher herself um, and was sort of the way she tells it is watching her colleagues lose their souls as they yeah. went into the yeah. education wow. system. Um, wow. And felt, yeah, and felt yeah. really compelled to do something about that. <laughs> um, and wow. thankfully for all of us who have the privilege of knowing and partnering or working with in the center, uh, started a, a, an organization that focuses on teacher coaching and mentoring with the idea that if every teacher had a good coach and a good mentor, it would help them stay in the profession in healthy and lasting ways, which we need educators uh-huh. to be able to do for our students. We need that more than ever. We need that more than ever. Absolutely. You know what's going it's, on. It's really a timeless concept. <laughs> it really is. And, Atini, let me ask you this. It's called the New Teacher Center, but is it, a, quote, a new teacher center, or is it for new teachers? Great. So – it began as with a focus on new teachers. So in that early career period uh, to really, again, help educators orient to the profession, build their capacity as quickly and humanely wow. as possible and stay in the profession. And it has since evolved to really focus on the kinds of supports educators need along the continuum. So it started as the new teacher center for new teachers and it has evolved into that play on words, Larry, that you just offered, new teacher center, and really thinking about how we can build on the organization's history to meet the needs of the profession now. And we know that while new teachers need an incredible need and deserve an incredible amount of support, teachers all along the continuum need that support because (laughs) teaching is a craft that we hone over time. Well, it's changed so much, and people tend to stay, and you know, it's good people stay in the profession for a long time, but that means they went to college a long time ago, okay? And although they're experienced and see the changes, things have changed, okay? It's like a doctor who was never taught to, I don't mean it as strongly as I'm going to say it, it was never taught to use an anesthetic, okay? Because he went to medical school in 1880 as opposed to 1963. (laughs) He's still a doctor, exactly. okay, and he, he exactly. tries to help, but things have changed out there. We've got to make sure people are well-trained. If they're well-trained and, and teaching their kids a little stuff, they're going to be happier, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it's extremely, extremely important. Of course, keeping people in the profession is – well, teacher retention is just such a big deal these days. It's, it's, it's just amazing. And talk to me how you guys work with um, – with with school districts, do you, do you uh, hire yourselves out to school districts? Do they call you? Uh, do you want teachers to call you? How's it all come together? Within that great, um, absolutely. I, one more thing on the organization oh, and what we, what we do before I share that is about five years ago, uh, New Teacher Center evolved its mission to focus on disrupting systemic inequity through accelerating educator effectiveness. And so that educator effectiveness support call in our mission has always been there. 
And we are now focused on really looking at this work in a systemic way um, to really help shift the paradigm around what the purpose and power of education can be and with a focus on the students who are most marginalized and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. not as well served Mm -hmm. by our public schools. Under-resourced schools, under-resourced kids, you know, go go right down the list. I think that's great, and I love your word, disruption. Okay, if there was ever a a profession and whatever that needed disruption, okay, it's education. Okay, it's a system that was created. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. It's a system that was created so many uh, 200 years ago, all right? And yep. it, it works, but it needs to work better and differently, okay? It's not working okay. great for everybody. It's working great for some people, okay? And I was thinking this morning since I was, I was reading on your website, et cetera, you know, the, the mistake, in my opinion, was states are responsible for education, and states should have made sure from the get-go that every single school district was exactly equal. Okay, mm-hmm. if they had done that 200 years ago and said, oh, that school district, they're tight of money in that community, we're going to give them an extra three million bucks, okay, to even it all out, so many problems would have been eliminated, okay, but it, exactly. it's done locally, yeah. and it, we need to look at some changes. I love your word, disruption. I guess that's what I'm getting at here at the end. It's just incredible, you know? It just, it's Absolutely. just nuts out there. So how do people get in touch with you? Do you work with school districts? What do you want to happen? Great. And we'll talk about what you do, but what do you want to happen? What's the call to action? I think the call to action, firstly, is for everyone to really think about what the purpose and power of education needs to be at this mm-hmm. moment in our history. Um, and what I'm seeing and what we're seeing as an organization is there was this opening Uh, at the start of the pandemic when the nation was grappling with uh, our history with race and inequity, folks were beginning to have that conversation. What truly needs to be disrupted and what does that reimagining that we all know is so desperately needed look like? And Mm -hmm. as things have settled down, we're seeing folks uh, move back into elements of the status quo that are not serving us as a field and not serving our students, educators, and communities. And so we are really focused on trying to sustain that conversation and advocate for approaches, strategies, and practices that help us live into that purpose and that promise, which at New Teacher Center, we really feel education needs to be student and and equity-centered and underscoring that piece of equity and really differentiating that from equality through the idea of equity being Mm -hmm. that everybody has what they need uniquely to them when they need it. And that is one one of the pieces that we're not doing a great job of in, in pre-K-12 education in our nation pretty holistically. Um, and so how we do that is in deep partnership with school districts, with individual schools, with state departments, really looking at the way in which they are holistically and coherently providing the kinds of supports for educators that they need to bring those notions to life concretely at the classroom, school, and system level. How are we doing on that? 
We're doing well. <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. You know, that's a good uh, start. We're doing well. I like that. Okay, we're doing, we're how doing we doing well. on that? We're doing, yeah. yeah, we're doing well from the standpoint of, I will qualify that, from the standpoint is that, that there is incredible appetite. I think the field really understands that things are broken in fundamental ways and that we're asking schools and educators and whole school systems to engage in a vision that the system itself was never designed to create. The system that we're working from was designed to produce inequity. Uh, very clearly, you can go all the way back to the founders, folks like Thomas Jefferson, and you will find rhetoric around how this system needs to sort and separate and stratify to maintain the power structure. And that is very much the same system that we're working from today. And so I like to use the metaphor of uh, a Ford Pinto. So I'm showing my age a little bit here, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. And All right, where's this going? It's Ford Pinto. Go ahead. So Just made me laugh. I think you, well, I'm, the, I'm, I'm getting, I, I know with Ford Pinto. So I'm, just, I'm showing you know, my yeah. age too. Go ahead. So, um, so, you know, if we think about current education systems, they're kind of like Ford Pintos where, you know, they're they're not really designed to do what we're asking, and yet we keep sort of slapping new tires and spoilers and tinting the windows and trying to do everything we can to make it look like a Ferrari. And, yeah. and no matter what you do, it's not a Ferrari. Yeah. It's not going to run like that. Yeah. And, you know, in, in trying to modify it and make it do something it's unable to do, it can explode, just like the Ford Pinto. The and Ford think, Pinto, yeah. Right. A lot of what we're seeing in the breakdown of, of public education in this country has to do with that core truth, that the system was designed to produce inequity. We're trying to ask it it and the folks who make up the system to operate in a way that it was never designed for. And in that way, we start to see the tension and the, and the, the lack of sustainability and the lack of performance. And we're not having the, the sustained conversation about what really needs to shift in the way that we think about the purpose and power of school and then how we support educators with living into that through the design of the system and how we really center who school is for. School is for the children, their caregivers, and the communities within which they reside, and ultimately for supporting and sustaining our democracy. And when we don't take care of those things and we don't really undertake bold and courageous and sustained commitment to doing the hard work of changing the system, the mindset, the approach, the ways of training and orienting educators and helping them sustain themselves over time, we see the fruit of that in in our country. And you can look all around and see the signs of distress um, Mm -hmm. that that are, are in many ways attributable to the fact that we are not creating systems that are human and equity-centered, and we are not living ambitiously enough into really naming that core truth and doing the work yeah. to alleviate it. I would agree. It. I would agree. Tina, you know, sometimes you, you mentioned it with the Ford Pinto, okay? Uh, they used to blow up, in case people don't remember that, yeah. okay? There was a problem <laughs> with Ford Pintos. They just simply blew up because they didn't work well, 
All right. And, uh, you know, your analogy is good. So let me ask the question, do we need to blow up the system? Okay. In other words, are we trying to correct a system? And you, you actually articulated this well, that that can't be corrected and we need to have a new system. Okay. You know, is that what you're, what you're looking for? Very hard to do, you know, charter schools. Okay. Or are trying this, if I may. Charter schools are public schools in most places, and they are trying new ways to do this. In other words, they're throwing out the pinto, and they're they're getting themselves uh, something more dependable. All right, what, what's your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I mean, is it is it? And you use the word disruption, disruption. I love that word again. Okay, should we instead of disrupt, should we explode? And I don't mean violently. I mean uh, hypothetically. Yeah, I mean, that is what the elephant in the classroom is calling for, uh, a kind of disruption that pretty quickly needs to turn to reimagining because we love to disrupt things, but you can't disrupt without having a vision and then an actual concrete plan for how you're going to live into that vision. And let's name another core truth, which is, you know, K-12 education in this country is the one compulsory experience that we all have. And so, you know, just sort of wholesale disruption is is not going to be helpful. But I think committing to acknowledging the core truth that we need to disrupt and reimagine and, and take measured and concrete steps to living into a new vision, a new purpose, and, and, and then hopefully actualizing the power of both. I think that's what we're calling for. So we're not calling for, you know, I know you're not, I know you're not calling out. for violence. I, I don't mean to take that <laughs> Pinto experience to a to a new level. <laughs> I know that, okay? But we do need to reimagine it. And, you know, we Absolutely are dealing, and this is, this is the challenge, and I, I love what you're saying here. We are dealing with bureaucracy, okay? Mm-hmm. And something that's been there for a long time, and I'm, you know, for everything you're saying. Okay. How do we talk about what? Where do we start? You know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a small, mm-hmm. uh, one small step. Okay. What's your goal to get it started and really make it happen? And maybe you can give some examples from some of the districts you work with. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think we start, and and this sort of takes us deeper into. Did the I pronounce, wait, did I mispronounce your name a minute ago? Did I pin, no, did I you're do doing right? great, Larry. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to be thank sure. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, and thank you for being so thoughtful. Yeah, uh, it's a T and E. It's a T and E. Everybody, I'm T&E. doing yep. it. I, I love it. Okay, it's great. Go ahead. <laughs> a T and E. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, wow. So that takes us deeper into the elephant in the classroom, <clears throat> which was we were really inspired to undertake this effort because. We know that folks are really yearning for a different approach, and they they don't know how or where to start because it is so deeply entrenched. It is so messy. It is so contextual, depending on the part of the country you're in, et cetera. So we wanted to really articulate as an organization what we believe needs to occur for that disruption and reimagining to begin to take place. And so that's where we identified three anchors for equity is what we call them. And the first is embracing this notion of teaching and learning as a 
dynamic relational human exchange. And that really began when we were in the midst of navigating the racial reckoning, the pandemic, uh, around the time of George Floyd's murder yeah. as an organization, yeah. given our mission, we were feeling really uh, responsible to articulate clearly what do we mean when we say disrupting systemic inequity by accelerating educator effectiveness. Let's get concrete. And having those conversations in- internally, and we also called together a national equity commission of 23 amazing experts, including students, student experience researchers, educators, uh, youth development folks, really everybody who touches the ecosystem of school to begin a conversation that was much more holistic and dynamic and authentic in, in our view. And in having those conversations, it came to us that, you know, while the reform movement has been helpful in many ways, one of the challenges, both in terms of what the original intent of public education is, which is in many ways to produce inequity, coupled with, you know, the, 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 the struggle that we are currently in is that we have sort of over technicalized, I realize that is not a word, uh, but we have overemphasized (laughs) the technical elements of teaching and really de-emphasized the fact that, you know, teaching and learning is human. It's a human experience. You have educators who who bring their selfhood into the classroom, who bring their selfhood into planning, instruction, to building relationships with students. And the same is true for students, right? They're bringing their selfhood. And then you have the content. And so it's really less about, hey, if we just get a certain curriculum and get folks to stick to the script, everything will be okay. And it's more about a paradigm where we see teaching as interweaving the student selfhood, the teacher selfhood, and the content into really effective research-based learning experiences for students. And if you think of teaching in that way, of really centering it as this dynamic relational exchange, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes a much more holistic, complex uh, endeavor that requires us to think very carefully about the kinds of supports educators need to live into that kind of vision. And so the first call to action is really to start thinking about how do we think about teaching and how do we honor this core truth that it really is an exchange between the students in the classroom and, you know, peer to peer, as well as the students with their teachers, as well as the students with the world around them. And when you start to think about teaching in that way, you have to radically reimagine, which takes us to the second anchor for equity, which is really broadening our vision and our notion of who educators are in communities hmm. and where learning is taking place outside of the four walls of the classroom. Because if you talk to students, they will tell you they are learning things all the time, mm-hmm. and it may or may mm-hmm. not be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And You're if right. you don't yep. know that, learning should be 24/7. Know, yeah. Yeah. that's right. You don't know yeah. that they have this really powerful relationship with a, a classroom 
aide or a playground supervisor who knows a lot about who this student is, you know, and we don't value that in terms of understanding the student's whole relationship to learning and school and community, uh, we're really missing a huge piece of the puzzle. And then that takes Mm -hmm. us into the third anchor, which is co-designing, co-designing systems with those who the systems are for and really making the time and the space to do that work in a sustained way. Because often in education, we see very well-intentioned folks who are working very hard to create equitable, high-quality instructional environments, and the support that they need to do that is not sustained. It is very episodic. So That's right. an event will happen, and now we're all having equity talks and learning new practices for equity and talking about racial healing and all of that. And five months later, we're not talking about any of that and we're back to this usual. And we really have to view equity work as a practice, not as a tactic. And so that requires us to think differently about who is centered when we're designing systems It also requires us to think differently about the ways in which we use our time and we sustain focus on the the long, hard, slow, but noble and and critical work of creating equitable school environments. You know, I I, got to tell you, Tini, that's that's a lot. Okay, what you just said Mm -hmm. is a lot. And I doubt very much many people could disagree with you that 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 would be, quote, a perfect system. Okay, an excellent system. Let's be honest. Okay, this is a weird question. How do we make that happen with the bureaucracy? When when you go into a school district or work with a school district, I'm going to ask again, and I agree with you, the philosophy has to be there. But, you you know, we get one or two teachers out of 500 onto this. Mm -hmm. Where where do we start? And I'm all in favor of what you're doing. I'm just trying to grab it and make it work. Absolutely. Thank you for pushing to get concrete. So I think, you know, obviously New Teacher Center, where our belief is where you start is really looking at the kinds of supports that you're putting into place for educators. Because if you can start to really that shift, that yes, if you can start yeah. to really shift what how teachers view the craft, like at the very beginning when they, you know, the fir- first you know, moment in a classroom, how are they oriented to what their charge is? And then how are they oriented to how they're going to sustain that craft over time? And how Mm -hmm. does the school that they are a part of actually structure that in a very coherent and holistic way? So if you talk to teachers, they'll tell you there's lots of, you know, the teachers will tell you and the research will tell you we're spending an incredible amount of money as a nation on professional learning, and yet the return on investment is just not there. The research will will show you that, and teachers will tell you that. They'll say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I have a coach. I, I actually have three. I have one from my teacher credentialing program. I have one from the school, and I have this other coach for this, you know, math curriculum initiative. So I have three coaches. We have our professional development sessions that the district offers us, which may or may not actually be related to their most pressing problems of practice. And then we have whatever the school-wide focus and goals and initiatives are, you know, as well as 
planning instruction, maybe yeah. uh, supporting the exactly. extracurricular activities, you know, uh, and, and really building relationships with their students on a deep level so they can create optimal learning environments, which requires them to know their content really well. And lots of different kinds of, of pedagogy need to be enacted as well, depending on who the student population is that you're serving. And, you know, people say, oh, it's, it's just teaching. But, but actually, when you really think about yeah. it, teaching is rocket science. And to go back to your analogy earlier of, of the doctor who, yes, you went yeah. to medical school, but when did you do that and how are you really being supported to, to evolve your expertise over time, you know, all those efforts are very well-intentioned. I don't want any of my colleagues in space to, to hear me not honoring the good intention. And if you think about the end user and really understanding if I'm, you know, a CAO and, and as my former position when I was uh, doing school-based work, you know, how does this decision that I'm making, how does this vision, this plan, strategy, what does it look like as it cascades down to yeah. the classroom level? And if you yeah. don't understand that and you can't follow that through line and you can't tell that story, chances for incoherence, overwhelm, initiative fatigue become really high. And we see that in districts all across the country, and particularly now in the wake of the pandemic where you yeah. know, folks are so exhausted and, and, and tired and they've just been incredibly heroic over the last several years in trying to be there for students and, and families and communities you know, and, and not being fully supported. Uh, because this is a really unprecedented moment. Uh, and so that's how we begin. We begin by really looking at if this is the vision for what we're trying to achieve and these are the stated goals, what kinds of supports, what kind of professional learning system do we need to build? And are we really engaging student voice, teacher voice, caregiver voice, community voice, and understanding the way in which all of those decisions come together in a coherent way and how it affects every stakeholder up and down the spine of the system. And, Larry, I know what you're going to say next. Whoa, that's a lot, too. It is a and, lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, yes. And what I can say is we have got to walk our talk. I remember Agreed. I'm going to tell a little story that, that shows what I mean by that. Uh, when I was a school principal, uh, the, the school that I inherited was, you, you would say, in turnaround mode. It was a Title I school. This was under NCLB. And so we were in program improvement. It was a bilingual campus. Uh, and so yeah. there was a lot of blame being uh, associated uh, with the poor outcomes around the fact that students were learning in Spanish for a great percentage of the day, et cetera. You get the picture. Yeah. And what did we focus on? We focused on leveraging community voice and perspective, engaging parents in authentic partnerships, engaging teachers in teacher leadership, engaging teachers in really creating a true professional learning community. Not that happens on Tuesday from 745 to 945. Yeah. That happens every day in every space that we are coming together to talk about how we're enacting the vision for our school. And I remember a group asked me to come talk to a group of young principals 
um, and <laughs> tell the story of all the things we did to turn the school around in five years from a school that was on program improvement to a school yeah. that became a, a California Distinguished School, got a Bright wow. Spot Award from the White House for Latino education, um, and a, a, a school that really became a model for what coherent, aligned professional learning can do. Um, you know, and this translated also into improved test scores. This This school became... Uh, just as high achieving as our monolingual counterpart, which had always been held up as, you know, why can't you get these results? It's the same student, like it must be the model, it must be, et cetera. So I'm sharing all this with these principles. And the first question, when I raised, uh, open the space for questions, some, some young principal raised their hand and said, how much do you work? And I think hmm. that says a lot about hmm. the other sort of mindsets that we need to shift. I don't think we would ask a, a, a corporate CEO how, how much they work when they're mm-hmm. talking about the success of their company. We would be more interested in, you know, what was the strategy? What were the tactics? How did mm-hmm. you think about that? Um, and a lot of that has to do with how we treat educators and treat education and, you know, the, the pay and the training or lack thereof. Um, yep. You know, we got to shift all those things as well if we're really serious about this work because this is long-sight work. There's no silver bullet, you know, and that in, in many ways is what we have fallen prey to in the field is looking for those really clean, neat silver bullet solutions and, you know, one of our equity commissioners said to us, yeah. said in, to, to us, you know, we didn't get into this mess overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. And it's really going to take yeah, a sustained exactly. effort and, and lots yeah. of coalition building. This isn't just about, you know, put, placing everything at the feet of educators. You know, there's lots of folks, policymakers, legislators who really need to be thinking about how serious are we about transforming education so that we can have a healthy whole mm-hmm. society and people can help sustain all that is good in, in our democracy in this country. So give me an example. Okay. And, and you're right. This is hard work. <laughs> that guy asked yep. a question, you know, I assume it was a guy, it could be a woman. Okay. Uh, you know, how, how, how much do you work? All right. Which is, um, yeah, it's weird. Okay. So, so let me ask, it's weird. All right, the strange question. But, you know, everybody's always saying they don't have enough time to do anything. So how are they going to do this? So let me ask this. You must be working with school districts on this. What are you hearing from them? School districts. You've talked to superintendents, who I assume is the right person to talk to. And they have to stay in the job and create a plan and all that sort of stuff. How? Where are you on all this now? This is good stuff. I mean, I think... Yeah, that takes us back to the elephant because we're not advocating for systems to think about, um, you know, this is an individual educator role problem. This is really a systemic problem, and we need to think about systemic solutions. And so that's where – Are are the systems – is it systemic district-wide or – systemic nationwide what do you when you say system Both. systemic problem where's the system yeah well i won't disagree with that yeah. i can tell you that okay yeah 
Okay, go ahead. I think it's systemic nationwide in terms of how we think about public education and its value and its worth and how all of that. But then it is district-wide from the standpoint of, you know, I would argue superintendents are not set up to be successful either. And we really need to think about why that is and what the solutions are to really Hmm. think about from the top. Yes, from the top of the system wow. to, you know, the, the the front lines, the folks on the, the playground supervisors and everybody in between, how is this system that we're trying to force, and this is the elephant in the classroom, the metaphor, right? We're trying to mm-hmm. force this system to do something that it wasn't designed to do. It's a systems yeah. thinking, systems design issue, and that's the part of the reform conversation that is not being focused on in this holistic way, which ties back to the in, part of the inspiration for the elephant is really to say, it's great if we're offering new curriculum and new strategies and, you know, tutoring for students and all of this. At the end of the day, we also need to look at what container does that need to come in so that it can yeah. be sustainable Ooh, for the adults. Yeah and impactful for the students and their families and the communities that they live in. Yeah, and, you know, you brought up a, a point before, and the, the, the point is everybody goes through this system, and everybody yep. believes, and adults believe that the system they went through is the right system, okay? There's a fight there about that. Okay. Oh, then what the kids need computers for? This is a crazy example. We used to do it with chalk and pencils and, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, it's a more modern conversation these days. Okay. But people have that memory. Okay. Of that system that they went through. Okay. And to make sure we're, so you just said it might not be superintendents. Where is the sweet spot to get it started? How do you get the coalition together to get it started and where? Well, I think very much like what we did at New Teacher Center when we changed our mission and we said, well, we have a lot of track record right here and we have a lot of expertise and we're wading into territory that is new for us and we want to do that in a really authentic, incredible way. And we're not going to be able to do that alone. We're going to need to bring together a coalition of people who are deeply invested in this challenge and in like collectively, who? like who? So, so who? yeah, we brought. That's where we brought together student experience researchers, students themselves. We had students on our commission advising us, telling their stories. Uh, we had folks from the youth development space who are just as important as educators. They know tons about students and how they work and what they value and what they need. And really starting to connect the dots of all the different types of folks who influence what happens with young people in our country and having a holistic conversation. And when you bring people together in community in that way with deep intentionality and you center their humanity, not their resumes, and we did that through lots of storytelling. Who are you? Mm -hmm, What was your school experience like? What do you want to see for the, the, the future of education? Uh, you know, what did you wish your teachers knew about you? How would you structure that learning for them? 
those were the kinds of conversations we were having as a group that then led to this elephant in the classroom that that is accompanied by, I should say, a microsite full of resources to right. help educators live into those three anchors yeah. that I talked about earlier. And, and, and I, you go know, ahead. No, you go ahead. And th- that is really the kind of, when, I, when we say coalition building and bringing folks together and making time and space to really delve deeply into, we want to disrupt, what are we disrupting, what are we, we re-envisioning, and how do we live into that concretely? That's the kind of work that we need to undertake as a profession, along with, please don't hear me saying that high-quality <laughs> instructional materials are not important. They're essential. They are. And assessment is essential. And all, all of the technical elements of teaching uh, that we need to create rich learning experiences are essential, but we can't be imbalanced. We've got to understand, again, that teaching and learning is a human exchange. We have Great. lots of demands on who students need to be in, the, in this time in our, our country and beyond. And how do we design for that? How do we begin to shift how educators I'm, I'm think about what this is? Yeah, I'm going to ask the question I asked before. This, to me, is what you're saying is is incredibly interesting. What about charter schools? Okay, we've got one. We've got the system, the standard system of public education. I can give you an example of this. Okay, Houston, ISD, Texas. Okay, they've yeah. had been they've been having trouble down there. Okay, the ISD. Yep. Okay, and so I know of a group down there called Yes Charter Schools that just. Mm-hmm. just did it completely differently. They literally disrupted the system, and they're huge. Mm-hmm. They, they teach a lot of kids, okay? Point yep. being, they created a different system for public education, okay? Is that, what yep. is that what you're looking for here? Is that kind of, kind of thing um, you're looking for? So I will say I spent many years, for 15 years of my life in charter schools, of my teaching life. There you um, go. And I think they are absolutely... One they think outside solution. the box. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Systems do need that kind of Absolutely. autonomy to really think through. How do we create community-aligned schools where, exactly. you know, who the community is, what the, goal, the goals the community has for their students, and let's just put this on the table. It doesn't matter what someone's SES status is, socioeconomic status, their language status, every parent or caregiver has dreams for their student regardless of their own education level. And so this notion of, you know, well, oh, it's an underserved, under-resourced, marginalized community, so we have to tell them, absolutely not. I worked in a system for 15 years, and I actually just went back there recently to say farewell to a a longtime colleague. And so many of of the parents were there, and they were talking about how the school and their engagement with the school has literally transformed their life, how they feel empowered, how they engage in education. And I'll tell you, the average parent education level in that system is fifth grade. So it's a living, breathing example of a counter-narrative. Yeah. And And so – Yeah, that's where – I believe that's where we need to be. Somebody's got to move and think outside the box and not be scared to exactly. do it. Okay. That's right. You're doing, it's, you're doing it takes a lot of here. courage. Great. It does. <laughs> it does. 
It yeah. does. It's amazing. And T and E, this was just terrific. You're welcome here anytime, and we'd love to work with you. We have our American Consortium. I invite you to go over. I'll send you an email to, to ace-ed.org. That's an open invitation to everybody, but you'll see what we do, and maybe we can work together and help each other. We have a big audience. I would love that, Larry. This has been such a joy and a pleasure. No, it's and great listening. I, 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 yeah, it's yeah. just beautiful. Thank you. Think Thank outside you so the much. box. And you're in the best state to do that. They're always thinking outside the box out there in California. <laughs> here, here, in Maine, we're, here in Maine, we're deep inside the box. We're still trying to figure out where the outside of the box is. Okay? Inside the box, we don't know where the outside is. There are. I, I love it here. I love it here. This is it's great to know you, but let's stay in touch, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Oh, thank you. It, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Atiana. You take care, and I will talk soon, okay? Great. Thank you. You take Atiani. care. Well. I did it wrong again. Atiani. I did it wrong. It's okay. Again. You're making progress. Atiani. Uh, I am. <laughs> I am, and I'm trying here, okay? The, the still, That's right. <laughs> the syllables can put, right. put together in, 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 in so many ways. It's such a great name. Atiani. Oh, okay. thank you. Right, well, thank that you was so good. much, Larry. It's been a pleasure. A oh, T&E. There you go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. This is wonderful. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Well. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> this is really fun. What a great lady. Okay. A T&E. A T&E Howard is a chief program officer over at the New Teacher Center, newteachercenter.org. And if you put slash elephant, you'll see this elephant in the classroom uh, position paper they're talking about. <laughs> We're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. That was fun. All right. Really enjoyed it. Go see, yeah, well, go see what we do over there. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening. And everybody just have a super duper day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.